Hey, what's up? It's episode 110, pain points of wealth, and the economic data continues to come in strong. GDP growth, economic growth for the fourth quarter was better than expected. We're seeing earnings growth relatively strong for the fourth quarter and guidance not falling off a cliff. So what we're saying here is, is the data is coming in much better than has been anticipated on Wall Street, and the market is following suit. We're in a bull market. Prices are going higher. But is this a fake out? Do you need to get to the sidelines right now? Is the economy ready to fall off a cliff? Or is this the real deal? Well, we're going to give you our two cents today. We're going to tell you exactly what to do. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about lessons you can learn from last year. It was a volatile year, a lot of uncertainty. We're going to make sure that you learn those lessons to make sure you're financially on your path to freedom. Check it out. We got a fantastic show for you. You know, guys, the conventional wisdom over the last year was the Federal Reserve is going to have to get so aggressive, they were going to have to kneecap the economy and bring it down, um, where it turns out, you know, that was more just like excessive pessimism. And, you know, I was watching a, an episode of Seinfeld the other day, and George Costanza, you know, the biggest loser in the universe, decided that every decision in his life he made, in, it was wrong, right? He, he decided, I'm going to do the opposite now. I'm going to become the contrarian Costanza. So the George Costanza strategy is do the opposite of what he thinks he should do or what the experts are telling him to do. I'll tell you what, it worked out pretty well following that strategy over the last couple of months. Well, you know what, guys? I, I can remember growing up, Ryan was a lot like that. You know, he called him the old man because he never liked change. He never wanted to do what everybody else wanted to do. He always did the opposite. I think we should start a fund. Just, just call it Ryan, R-Y-A-N. And you know what, Ryan? This is your opportunity to move back home with mom and dad. I was going to say, you know, I'm not above it. I would love to go with mom and dad again. Um, laundry done, home-cooked meals, sign me up. But no, I, I think that is actually the pain view. It, it is always a bit contrarian. And I think last year is a perfect example, right? We had every strategist, every economist still actually extremely negative on the economy, extremely negative on the market. And like if you're diversified last year, you were down around 10%. It's not that big a deal. And meanwhile, now markets are off to the races. And if you were sitting in cash or you tried to time it, you've kind of put yourself in a bad position now. Well, it's almost as if you're optimistic and you're, you're, you're pro-risk uh, assets. These talking heads on the news media, they get mad at you. Like, what, what do you mean? What, what, what do you mean it's good? I mean, how, <laughs> how, could, how could the emerging markets have gone up 30 40% since October? How's that possible? You know, it must be rigged or something wrong. Uh, how about this is how markets operate, right? Markets operate by you know discounting the future uh, or discounting the current uh, environment and looking to the future, guys. Well, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a client of mine the other day, Dad, um, and uh, he was he was fretting about how the performance of the portfolio did last year. And I said, well, you know, you're you were down less than half what the market was. You did great. And then he started going on a rant about how like he doesn't like international and emerging markets. And I said, well, you're living in the past, man. I'm like, you haven't looked at your, you haven't looked at your account this month because emerging markets is leading everything. And he's like, no way. Well, Bob sent this stat out, which is crazy, that Germany, right? And Germany was the poster child of like the worst place to be last year, right? They had this energy crisis. They're getting hit the hardest because Russia invaded Ukraine. Russia kind of has them by the ganoogies when it comes to energy. Yet Germany is up 40% since September. Like, how can that possibly be? And it's kind of like the darkest hour is right before the dawn. I said, you know, bull markets are born under a bad sign. I mean, it's like when things are terrible, 
that's the best time to invest, and it's so counterintuitive. I can't find the word ganoogies in my dictionary, right? <laughs> I'm trying to keep it very clean on this podcast, Chris, please. <laughs> well, you know, as I always say, guys, you don't get good prices, you know, with good news. So you have to be able, you know, to have the fortitude to invest when things are down, um, when, the, you know, the optimism is not there. You know, it's better to be, you know, more pessimistic, but just think about it. You know, most of us are average, normal human beings. We project the future based on our most recent experience. And as, you know, the year went by, the news got more dour, the market got more volatile. So how did, what's human nature tend to do? Get more pessimistic as the pessimism appears to be greater. But the greater the pessimism, the greater the opportunity, as it turns out. Yeah, and it's uh, like, you know, Bob, you, you had a really good line. I think you, you obviously stole it from somebody. It couldn't have been your own line, is uh, <laughs> anticipation is mitigation. And, you know, when you talk about all these company CEOs, like last year, they were worried about a slowdown, just like you and I were worried about a slowdown. So what do they do? They get proactive very, very quickly. They start to rewrite their business for these anticipation of things slowing down. So they're already fixing the ship, right, before the slowdown actually happens. So all this proactive uh, activity is happening to make sure that, you know, companies' balance sheets stay in check. And that's why you always see the surprises in the positive because that anticipation is already happening. As we're worrying about things, people are actually taking action. Company CFOs, CEOs are going into their businesses and fixing them. Yeah, you're absolutely right, right? It's it, anticipation is mitigation because, you know, as the talking heads are telling us that the economy is slowing, every, everybody can clearly see that. Um, you know, they're starting to reduce their earnings estimates. So when the estimates, you know, are are then met with the actual earnings. You know, the market's like, well, I'm not surprised by that. That's what we expect. It's actually better than expected. So what happens is that, you know, as, as this bad news comes through, uh, you know, it loses its surprise power. And that's what the market reacts to, right? The market reacts to black swan events. They're the things you got to worry about. And the problem with black swan event is you have no idea what it's going to be. Sounds like, it sounds like maybe yeah. timing the market's not such a good idea is what I'm hearing. It's not at all, Chris, because the market's always climbing this wall of worry, and there's always a new brick that they put into the wall. But we know what that brick is. It's the brick you don't recognize, you don't know about, so one's going to get thrown through your windshield. Yeah, the yeah. other thing I noticed, too, in talking to some of our clients is uh, that these, these bear markets seem to last longer in mind than they actually do. I had a client I was talking to the other day, and they said, you know, we haven't made any money the last three years. You know, we've been in this bear market, and we went through performance line by line. He said... Really, the market's only been down for a year. I said. I said, yeah. He's like, well, it seems so much longer than that. <laughs> it does, and it's an illusion, right? And the other thing is, when you look at it, like last year, the conventional wisdom was like, you know what? Let's just get out of the market while it's volatile, and let's lock into a four percent CD. Well, you locked into a four percent CD, well, the market's up six percent now, and you have to wait a whole twelve months to get that four percent, and you've missed that move in the market now. So it's amazing how quickly. Times can change and markets can change. Meanwhile, emerging markets up 10% as we're recording this. You don't get that return back. And if you lock your money into a CD, you kind of put yourself behind the eight ball because you missed the recovery and you have to wait a whole 12 months to get that return. It's crazy. Well, here's another sailing analogy. Your boat's not going to go anywhere unless your sales are up. You're not going to make any money unless you're invested in the market. Well, you know, as, as you guys have mentioned the other day, it's like $5 trillion sitting in money market funds, right? Yes, hey, it's getting 4%. Isn't that wonderful? But what happens when you don't get 4%? And by the way, that 4% is over a 12-month period. You've already missed the one-month period where you'd have a 50% better return. But, you know, as one of the strategists that used to work at the firm I worked at, great guys, long gone. Um, he put out a piece one time, and he was showing this surfer standing on the beach looking at the beautiful break at the Banzai Pipeline. 
um, with his, you know, with his surfboard. And, and the headline was, hey, you can't catch the wave unless you get in the water, right? So, you know, you can sit there and talk about all day long how negative things are uh, and sit in cash, but you're not going to make any money if you're sitting on the beach. Well, to go back to Chris's sailing analogy, if we have to do it, it's, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> you, you, at some point the wind's going to blow, but the sail's already going to be in the air. And I think that's a great point. Think of all the FOMO with that $5 trillion sitting in cash you know, while you're starting to see markets catch a fire here, to use another analogy, another metaphor. Um, and also, we were talking to uh, a client who was talking about how much money is just sitting in the sideline to do deals. All these private equity firms sitting with all this cash mm -hmm. in these big banks that have to put the money to work or it goes back to their, to their investors, and they want to put it to work. Well, I mean, look at Chevron just did. They just raised their dividend. They, they announced a $75 billion buyback. $75 billion buyback. Exxon came out with a similar buyback. So there's, there is a lot of cash on the sidelines. And, you know, the question is, where's that money going to go uh, in the future? And the, the pressure, you know, from professional money managers, from institutions, from hedge funds, and from individuals, it's just going to continue to mount. You know, the market will make you do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 110, Pain Points of Wealth. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you want to make sure that you're on your track for your path to financial independence, Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. And if you qualify, if you saved over a million dollars, we'll put together a full total financial master plan and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. There's no other firm out there that will literally do this work up front. We're gonna look at income. If you're getting close to retirement, we're gonna to put together a full income plan, show you how to take Social Security, how to draw from your portfolio so you don't run out of money factoring in inflation. We're gonna look at diversification. How's your portfolio holding up? Did you get hit hard last year as markets were extremely volatile? Or have you been sitting in cash earning nothing as inflation is still at a 40-year high? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you portfolios that have lots of fees that are hidden in your portfolio. And those annuities, insurance products, brokerage products, we'll show you how to reduce all the costs on your portfolio and optimize your portfolio for taxes, giving you our full tax playbook. It's not what you make, it's what you take. Then we're going to pull it all together into one total financial master plan. All you need to do is go to www paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right. It's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris being prepared financially is more critical than ever, especially given all the volatility and the uncertainty we've experienced in the last really 12 months or so. So I thought we could discuss some of the lessons that we've learned from 2022 that can help guide all of us to make better financial decisions in 2023. And I think the, the biggest theme of last year was inflation is actually real and you've got to account for that in your financial plan. Well, you know what, Ryan? I was uh, talking to a client of mine the other day. He's, he's 40 years old. We were going through their projections. Uh, they spend like 100 grand a year. And he called me back a few days later after he looked at the projection. He said, Chris, I think you really messed up our expenditures. It says at 80 years old, I'm going to be spending $400,000 a year. He's like, we only spend 100. Um, and I explained to him about inflation. He said, man, I think we need to save a lot more. 
It's good advice, Chris, because, you know, inflation is hitting, it's insidious, it's hidden, but it's real. And, you know, of course, it's been in the headlines for the last year because especially the way the Federal Reserve has completely dropped the ball and not recognizing that inflation wasn't transitory initially and now not recognizing that maybe it is. Uh, so we're, you know, we're dealing with higher inflation than we've had to deal with in 40 years. But over this 40-year period, you still had inflation at 2%. And even at 2%, you know, that still means a huge cost of living increase, you know, over your lifetime. Yeah, and I think a good rule of thumb we always use is something like you're going to have to double uh, what you need to live on every 20 years. And most of us, I mean, you're going to be retired for maybe even closer to 30 years plus. So you really have to account for your expenses doubling in retirement. And most of us don't do those calculations. And we always talk about this, but it's dangerous when you have an income portfolio that doesn't adjust with inflation. And this is where I have a big qualm with a lot of the annuities that are sold, not bought, of course, um, is you get the same income coming in every single year, yet your cost of living is going a lot higher. And this can be a big problem for your financial plan. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, we always talk about compounding, how important it is for your portfolio. But in the case of inflation, you know, if you're keeping too much money in cash, compounding works against you. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though, Chris, it's, love it's lovely to have that compounding working for you. Um, you know, I, I recommend everybody take a look at that uh, Madoff series that's on Netflix. You know, you learn a little bit more. I mean, it's, you know, rehashing a lot of the details and pulling that scab off from, you know, what that horrible man did to people, you know, back in 2000 and 2008. But, you know, the thing to recognize is that in 2008, the Dow was trading at 8,000. And here we are at 34,000, um, showing you that's the magic of compounding. And, you know, I, I spoke to a client the other day and they said, How's that possible, Bob? Everything's been so awful the last 15 years. Well, guess what? It hasn't been awful. It's yeah. been pretty darn good. Well, you know, Bob, you gave us a really good statistic last week. Is I didn't even realize this, but dividends on the S&P 500 increased by 10% last year. Meanwhile, the full-year inflation was only 6%. So point is, you know, having income in your portfolio that readjusts over time is so critical. And I'd argue most of us don't have that in our financial plan. Well, you know, guys, it's not just about... It is, it is about planning and, and planning for inflation. But here's, here's the other thing. I, I spoke to a, a new client that just came. We just onboarded. And they said, well, you know, in all fairness, it was easy for you guys to make money for clients over the last 15 years. I'm like, easy? Are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> we came off of the two worst bear markets, right? I think, Ryan, you or Chris talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? We had 2,000. The market went down 60% on the S&P. Then seven years later, you have a repeat. Boy, I'll tell you what, when we started paying capital in 2008, it was like pulling teeth getting people to invest when we had markets selling at generational lows. I mean, the greatest valuations in history. I'll tell you, from 2008 to 2014, all people wanted to do, all investors wanted to do was sell because they wanted to get out before the next big bear market. Yeah, no, it's really true. Investing is really hard. And I think the other lesson we learned from last year is you probably didn't know how much risk you had in your portfolio. You know, a lot of the new clients that we brought on in the last year or so, the biggest issue was they didn't realize that they were overweighted to technology. They were overweighted to a lot of these uh, disruptive mega cap growth stocks, uh, overconcentrated. And then when the shoe dropped, and a lot of times we saw portfolios down 30% last year, 40% last year. But the problem is you only realized that last year when the market was going down. And it's just so critical to manage that risk because as you always say, Bob, risk is only seen in hindsight. Yeah, certainly recognized in hindsight, Ryan. And one of the things you can't have foresight for is what we talked about earlier, black swan events. You're going to have unexpected market sell-offs, right? What did I always tell you guys? 
Why are there unexpected moves in the market? Because they're unexpected. Exactly. Everything else is priced in. So, you know, look at look what happened in 2020 when we had the uh, pandemic collapse, right? 35% in two days. You know, back when you guys were young pups, I was sitting in Hawaii on a vacation, as it turned out. But the market in 87 went down two days, 35% in two days. Yeah. Now, just think about what's 35% decline of a 35000 thousand Dow. I mean, you, you know what that will do to you mentally? Yeah. You pick up the paper, you look, you turn on the TV, and you see the market down 35%. You know, you've got to be prepared. Yeah, more importantly, like, right, does that, that could actually take you out of retirement. And, Dad, I remember you talking about this uh, during the tech bubble right before it burst. And when it burst, you saw a lot of people go back to work. Like, I remember we had someone who was working with you uh, when you were at Merrill Lynch back in the day that put all their money in tech stocks, disregarded your advice, and literally at, in their 70s had to go back to work. That stuff's real. Uh, market risk is real. And it's one of those, I think we're all starting to realize that, oh my God, like I've got to be really, really cognizant of the risk I have in my portfolio, especially if I'm going to live off my money. You've got to be so, so careful. And a lot of us aren't getting the right advice around that. Well, it just goes to show you that ignorance isn't bliss. Uh, hope is not a tactic. And you know you really should have your portfolio thoroughly evaluated to make sure that you're covering all your asset classes and not just invest in one thing, because as the old saying goes, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Well, how about prayer, Chris? Does prayer work? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that goes as hope as a tactic. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just check. But it. you should pray for us anyway. <laughs> Bob, you're beyond uh, that kind of hope. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's trying to get to heaven before they close the doors, but I don't know. I think those doors were closed a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know about that, but, you know, I think it's, uh, again, you, you've got to recognize that you don't know. You, you have to know what you don't know. And that the future is unknowable. And all these talking heads keep telling you they know what's going to happen. They don't. So diversify the living daylights out of your portfolios, guys. That's our advice. All right. It's the hidden facts of finance. Random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob. While the S&P 500... Uh, price declined by 19.78% in 2022. S&P dividends went up by 10.82% in 2022. The increase was higher than inflation. And since 1926, dividends have contributed approximately 32% of the total return of the S&P 500, while capital appreciation contributed to 68% all the way through 2021. Bottom line is cash flow is a huge component to your return in the stock market. Hey, Ryan, you're absolutely right. You know, for almost 40% of your return comes from the dividends. But more important, it's not spending those dividends. It's reinvesting those dividends into more share shares, which, you know, ends up with the compounding, the miracle compounding, which we call the eighth wonder of the world. But, you know, the key is you've got to stay invested in order for that to occur. Now, here's the one thing you got to remember. This all works as long as the world doesn't end. Last I checked, guys, world doesn't end very often. If that's your only risk, you've got other problems, right? So, but I, I think that is remarkable going back to last segment. Even with the market down last year, well, cash flow in your portfolio actually went up if you stayed invested. And that's the point, right? If your cash flow is increasing as cost of living goes up, that's how you win the game of financial independence. And most of us don't look at it that way. It's such a common sense concept, but most of us don't focus in on that. It's all about the markets up, the markets down, but that's not the critical part. It's the cash flow. Chris. You're telling me, Rye, is more is better than less? Keep, we keep it simple here, Bob. I always felt that way about my hair. <laughs> 
Well, Lord knows you've got more than last bomb. So uh, <laughs> you've certainly been blessed with wonderful hair. Chris, Canada labor shortages are so severe that the government has announced plans to admit nearly 1.4 million immigrants over the next three years. I think that's a big problem everywhere is we just have a lack of workers. Same problem here in the U.S. There's still restaurants here in Philadelphia that are only open three days a week just because they can't get people. I mean, I've got clients that own businesses. It's the same issue. It's just uh, that the problem is the same across the board. People just don't want to do these jobs. So, you know, whatever it takes to get uh, to get every, to get to get the economy back up and running, you know, getting those restaurants open, getting those jobs done. Um, you know, I think Canada's got the right idea. Yeah, I think at some point we're going to have to come up with a more formalized bipartisan if that's possible immigration policy because we just don't have enough people to fill jobs which means unemployment is probably going to stay low for a very long time bob ken griffin citadel hedge fund cranked out a record 16 billion in profit for clients last year topping john paulson's bet against the subprime mortgages in 2007 that was described as the greatest trade ever the top 20 hedge funds collectively generated $22.4 billion in profit after fees. Man, oh, man, Ken Griffin pretty much gave all the return for all hedge funds. That guy's amazing. My, oh, my, $16 billion. Why can't we get this guy to manage our money, guys? Um, one hedge fund makes all that money. You know, what happened to all the other hedge fund managers? They lost $125 billion combined in 2020, 2022. 125 billion in losses. I'm telling you what, these hedge fund guys, they take way more risk. They generally don't make money. Hey, God bless Citadel. They had a good year. Hope they can continue it. My guess is probably won't. Well, we have a cousin that works there, so we'll have to get his inside track on it next time. But it is remarkable given the fact that hedge funds in general have had horrible performance for the last decade or so. But uh, but some pe some managers out there just have that that special knack. Um, but hey, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if it's special access, Rye, you know, I think yeah. there's some questions have to be asked there. <laughs> it seems, you know, <laughs> when it seems too good to be true, what do I always say? It might be, it might be, it might be. Well, Hey, another great podcast. Hope you enjoyed episode 110 pain points of wealth. If you love our podcast, you like our podcast, you find it kind of intriguing. Give us that five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us some comments, please. Go to bebullish.com slash questions for any questions you want to ask us. If this is on Spotify, you can like it, subscribe to our podcast. And if this is on YouTube, give us a like on this episode. You can subscribe to our channel and click that notification bell to be updated every week of all our new content. It's your enthusiasm and support that give us the ability to keep doing this podcast. That's it for this week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Ryan, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.